Good day, my friends, and welcome to the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by the legendary Sergio Tacchini, brand worn by John McEnroe, Vitas Garolitis, Novak Djokovic, and Gabriella Sabatini. Check them out at SergioTacchini.com. Use the code SHAP30 in all caps to receive 30% off of your order. Today's guest grew up in Munich, Germany, and has made his mark in pro tennis, first as the longtime hitting partner of Serena Williams, and then was the practice partner of Vika Azarenka, Caroline Wozniacki, and Sloan Stevens. All the while honing his coaching skills, he has now been the coach, most notably, of Naomi Osaka, and was just dismissed by Karolina Pliskova, and we talked about it all. Alexander Sasha Bayin, Big Sasha, is today's guest. My man, did you tell me you're in Miami? Yeah, that's why I'm kind of, sh- I, I, I'm half naked here on the couch, so it's pretty hot already, yeah, yes. You're all beefed up, always looking like a million bucks. You pronounce <laughs> the last name Bayin, Sasha Bayin. Yes, sir. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, there it is. Today's guest, one of the elite coaches in pro tennis, former hitting partner to Serena Williams, came aboard with Naomi Osaka, and since then has had more than a few players. We're going to talk about it all today, and that is Sasha Bayin coming to me from Miami. As you know, we normally do a five-set format, but because there's so much business to talk about, we're going to go right into the second set. That's the the on-the-court report. You and Karolina Pliskova, former world number one under your guidance, just stopped working. Yes, sir. What happened? I mean, to be honest, I I think it was like a little bit of bad luck. You know, I think that the injury that occurred in the off-season last year, so 2021 uh, December, you know, definitely didn't help. We had a good, like very, very good run last year. Uh, She finished the year really strong. Not only score-wise, but I was just very happy to see her being able to find uh, a way to turn matches around and win, even when she wasn't feeling good or playing her best, which was the biggest uh, goal for me, because everybody kind of knows like when Carolina is on, then she's like really, really good, but she kind of like struggles by finding a way to grind herself into a match. And um, so... Yeah, we we worked a lot on that. Just to further that, she's like she she loses first sets in minutes sometimes. You know, there's times where she doesn't get into a match until 30 minutes in, where she puts her. It does seems like it takes her a lot. It's like a very slow starter. Yeah, there is. Um, yeah, there's players like this. Minas was known to be a slow starter sometimes. Even Serena at times, you know, she would give her opponents. You know, there was the period she would give them a, a set and a half. Before she's like, all right, I better, I better turn it up now a little bit. Crazy to see how people have that ability to get like, you know, that extra gear or two when they need it. But yeah, to answer your question from before, split, I think, you know, yeah, I'm going to be honest, the success wasn't really there the last few matches. So she wanted some new um, input, you know, like it's obviously that's my, my responsibility. But, you know, if we go to tournaments where, we couldn't really practice volleys until after uh, Stuttgart, you know, like just before the French Open, we started practicing more volleys because of Fabrice. 
she couldn't have really served until five days before Indian Wells. We actually just started serving. And this was a screwed up injury. This wasn't an on the court injury. No, yeah, it was a little freak accident. Like stuff like this happens. We did uh, plyometrics in the gym. You know, she was jumping on boxes, trying to get her faster to get that quick first step. She's so tall. And um, she kind of got like fell over the box there a little bit. And, and that's what happened. She heard it in the gym. She actually hurt herself, yeah, working out. Once a player gets injured and you're trying to salvage the season, that's a different set of skills that, you know, a coach needs to have. Do you feel like at some point you're like, well, geez, we should just shut it down, get all the way back healthy? I mean, I – so it's like it, it's a giving and a taking. So first of all, the injury wasn't – like it, it was a bad injury, especially for tennis. You know, anything happened to the hand – it's kind of bad. And we saw that on Dominic team, you know, losing seven first round matches on clay. Like who would have ever thought that, you know, in a row. So you can tell. Then there's another thing which normally comes down to the player that if the player has never been really injured, that doesn't really matter how old you are. If you're 20 or if you're 30, you always learn or deal with it from your own experience. And if that's not something you've gone through early in your career, you're going to struggle with it a little bit later, especially if it's your first big injury, which, you know, thank God it was. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't happening earlier. But bad luck it happened there. And then, yeah, for me as a coach, I, I for sure have to take a different approach a little bit. You know, I have to see if it's uh, more mental, if she has to get her confidence up, if there's a different approach to things. Um, how much can we practice? How much is not enough? How much is too much before we make it worse again? So, yeah, there's a couple of questions and you have to listen to your guts a little bit and feelings. But quite often a good coach, when the player isn't doing the work or not responding to the coaching, sometimes a, a coach has to put their job on the line and say, listen, you got to either do it like this or I got to go. I can't because, because we're not going to, we're not going to be productive. Did that happen with Plishkova? No, I'm going to be honest. That never, that actually didn't happen with any of my players. So, okay. Yeah. I, I always want to think that there, even if I think I found a way, the way it should be, but my player doesn't agree with it. I, I, I always think there's another way. There has to be a common way or something. So I'm not the, yeah. Was the split acrimonious? Was it a um, unpleasant conversation? No, not not at all. With her, if, if it was awkward, no, 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 no. She's actually, like I said from the beginning, I was super surprised how funny and sweet and, you know, what a good, like, positive like and, and, and like good energy she has actually off the court you know sadly because on court you don't really see that very often from her so no obviously I'm sad that I'm not uh, you know like being let go that I'm being let go that's not something you want to experience ever uh, but uh, and I'm you know I feel bad for not being able to help her a little bit more than I could but after all no, it was a, it was a good conversation she sent me then another like Really, actually, really sweet message. So, and I hope that when we see each other at some tournament, that you know we can say hi and just uh, catch up. Does the does the agent tell you you're fired, or does the player tell you you're fired? It comes down to normally the players; they are a little 
uncomfortable with situations like this, you know, because we work so close together. They know I sacrifice so much for them. And then they feel like uh, I don't want to be the one bearing the bread news. So most of the times it's the agent. Sometimes it's the player. It's um, It doesn't make it easier being let go. <laughs> no, it never feels good. No um, are you licking your wounds a little bit? Are you a little upset? Yeah, I mean, of course, I'm hurting my pride. Like, it means I failed something. I don't I don't like to be a failure, you know. I want to succeed. I want to help people. So that's, first of all, it's a it's a feeling of failure, to be honest. But other than that, no, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm in Florida. I'm at the, you know, I'm here home. I have my house. I can work on, do some things, some stuff that I normally don't do. I'm excited about getting the chance to commentate a little bit more throughout the summer. There's all something I'm very into it. And um, some matches, you know, work for Tennis Channel. And let's see whatever happens. I think there's going to be a lot of coaching changes after the U.S. Open, to be honest, with the way the season is going on the women's side. But So hold on. Are you, are you, is there any truth to the rumor that you're actively trying to lock into the Anisimova camp? Is there any truth that you're trying to pick up a player quickly now? Um, what, what did you, if there's any truth to the Anisimova camp? Are you trying to are you are you trying to coach any Samova? Um yeah, I mean there's 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 other players I think also with a lot of potential. I do think Amanda would be yeah, would be a great kick, obviously. She's having a better season, you know. She looks like she's more matured a little bit than from the past. And um kind of knows maybe what she wants now more than before. Uh but but yeah, for sure, Amanda other girls but normally like I would give it a little break I don't want to go like too quickly from one relationship into another you know so, so, you, so you're not actively trying I've to- had already I've had already a couple of offers which I, I I told them I said please like give me until the US Open I don't you know I don't know I would feel weird also go back from Wimbledon immediately next tournament and I don't know in San Jose or Washington with a different player and like I also need to like get like kind of over Kaya a little bit over that relationship, end it all in my head, what I've tried to do, why it didn't work. Like I over, I, I sometimes like to overanalyze maybe stuff, but I don't know. That's, that's the way usually I, I, I deal with things. Yeah. Oh, Sasha Bayan, very uh, forthcoming with his information. Um, we appreciate this. Did you make mistakes? Do you think that you could have done some things differently in the Plushkova camp? Oh, obviously. Otherwise, otherwise, I'd be still on the team. <laughs> but um, I wouldn't know, to be honest, I wouldn't know what it is. Uh, but for sure, I would have a different approach would have been needed. I do believe I would have still had a couple of ways um of trying to find something so I wasn't at the end of my coaching road but you know if she thinks that she needed like some new energy or some I don't know even just a different face on the other side because the injury happened with me so she can just you know forget about all this and also start new um I I I respect that but yeah I, I think for sure do you have the wherewithal to coach a, a a male player on the ATP tour yeah, I also had some some offers in the past. It just always, like I mentioned before, I I, I really want to be successful. Um, like I love what I do. I, I I do a lot. I demand a lot. 
So it just always has to make sense, you know, whether it's a boy, girl, like it doesn't matter to me. Someone who I believe uh, has the potential and then also I have to believe in myself being able to help that person. So if if that's that, that, that's what it comes down to, you know, not personality of the player or like because a lot of play a lot of play or people come ask me, could you work with that player? Could you work with this one? I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, they're like, oh, she's so difficult, he's so annoying. It's like, I don't care if you can play a good forehand or backhand, then that's that's the most important part for me. So yeah, boy, girl, whatever comes down to, if it makes sense. What was your impressions of Serena, you know, essentially showing up at Wimbledon with no matches? with no fitness, with no practice, and playing on center court? Um, I mean, I I absolutely love seeing her back, to be honest. And I felt the vibe around the stadium that day was a little different. It was something very, very much to look forward to. You know, I, I ran into her in Eastbourne. So I'm actually, uh, I was actually happy I got to chat with her a little bit. We caught up, you know. Um, I haven't seen her in a while. She was cool. She was cool. Yeah. 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 It's my younger sister. <laughs> what did you guys talk yeah. about? Oh, just life in general. And she actually told me she logged into Facebook for some reason. I don't know. And like why she would go on Facebook because I'm not even on it. She said she saw some memories and stuff from, from us back then. And uh, it was just funny. It was a funny private conversation. But um, always it was a nice moment. You had a nice moment with her. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But, did, but what did, what was your sense of her coming back with no with no preparation? Oh my god, I'm gonna get so much backlash for this. Um, I have to choose my my words careful. I don't want to get ripped apart by Serena's fans. Um, I do believe she prepared her so herself. Like I don't believe she didn't. But what I'm afraid that is going on maybe a little bit is that Serena has been good for so long. Like she's been really good for so long. I do remember in the past where, you know, she wouldn't play much uh, after the clay court season. And I would ask her, there was a moment where we also, you know, had a year off. Um, and um, and after that, she never played like much before Wimbledon. So I asked her, hey, do you need a warm-up tournament before Wimbledon or something, you know, just to get you like into this match focus to get the energy boom? She's like, no, I'm going to be winning Wimbledon without any pre-matches. And I said, okay. And we went there and she won. it. So this, the fact that she won that, I think is kind of coming back to bite her a little bit later to where all these greats, whether they are fighters uh, other athletes in other sports, once they are so great and they were so good back then, I think that they they think they can still do it now, get fit within three weeks. You know, she's 40 years old now. She doesn't lose her weight as quick. She doesn't get as fit as quick. But at the same time, she also can have like two, three months uh, working workout camps, you know, because I don't believe maybe her body will hold up. I don't know. Sadly, I'm not in that team anymore. If she would call me right now for one last hurrah, I would immediately jump on board, I have to say. But um, it, it's a tough situation. But I don't think she was completely unprepared. Um, you know, she's a professional. She knows what it takes usually. Maybe she just got a false sense of her own self because, you know, she was so quickly so good always and being able to get into this incredible 
zone whenever she stepped out on the court. And maybe with age, she should give it a little bit more time. But yeah, like I said, I'm not in a team, so I can't judge her. But man, I, I hope I see her out there more often on some courts. What were your um, impressions of Rybakina winning seven matches, coming through the tournament, blowing Ons out of the water, really kind of overpowered her? I mean, um, I'm not surprised, to be honest. Like, I'm not shocked or surprised. Um, um, yeah, I, because I've seen her play. You know, we've practiced with her many times. She can play incredible. Like, she has big shots, you know. And uh, she had a great season pre-COVID, you know, that great year. She had, I think it was 2019, 18, 19, something like this, 19. Um, so um, I was just kind of waiting on the moment from her, to be honest. It was, a, it was a player I kept my eye on for a while. I was waiting for that moment for her to win something really, really big. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not too surprised. Yeah. And heads off to her and her coach and her tall team. What's your thoughts about the health of the WTA? They obviously are in a bumpy patch. They shut down the essentially the Asian swing. They shut down the China swing, and now they're kind of putting the pieces back together. Uh, I don't know. Like this is it's a tough question for me because I'm not a tournament director. I wouldn't know how much is behind it and the whole industry. I uh, it's a tough topic for me to speak of, but I just know always that it was kind of nice to know. Like, all right, you're in Australia. You go to Doha, Dubai, the Middle East, Europe, America, and then after the US Open, you have, you know, Wuhan, Beijing, Tokyo, and Singapore, or like wherever the finals was, so you kind of stayed in Asia. So uh, that was kind of just like something, yeah, that was easier on the schedule. It was actually a swing also that I kind of look forward to also. I love Japan, especially, you know, Tokyo. I mean, China can get a little crazy, but I love crazy as well. So... Um, yeah, I I would know. I just know that there's a couple of good big tournaments that are lost, and yeah, sad for the players. There um, was a report in, I believe, the Telegraph, the British paper, um, that there's been investigations opened by the WTA about coaches dating their players, coaches being abusive. Do you have any uh, feel for this investigation or what's happening? I mean, if people are abusive and taking advantage and um, like, yeah, doing things to players they should be doing in a way they shouldn't, then um, yeah, like find out, yeah, find out who that is and do whatever it takes. Is is that is is there a problem on the WTA tour with coaches? You no, know? I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Listen, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be 100 percent honest. I am very, very antisocial. Like, I swear, I go around the grounds, I bump fists. I don't have met, even here in Florida, I have no friends in Florida. Um, uh, I, I, I don't hang out at the courts. I'm, I'm not like one of those coaches who goes, like, plays golf with other coaches. So I, I don't even, like... I respect them. We're all colleagues, but they're all trying to take something away from me, you know, same as I'm trying to take something away from them and uh, my family's pockets and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's not. So so you, you um, stay somewhat to yourself. I'm staying out of, I'm staying out of it. I'm focused. I'm locked in on my player. I, I, I hit the gym and I don't get involved in any of that stuff. And, 
yeah. And 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 if if others are, then they better yeah they better find out who it is. Have you tried to um, get on Team Radikanu? I mean, yeah, I would love to, but I don't. I mean, I don't try. Like, I don't know what. Like, I, I don't go necessarily and uh, text agents or text players or stuff like this. So normally, you don't. Um, you don't. No, no. Normally, normally, like agents, you know, or players maybe see who's available. The tennis world is very small, you know. So they, as soon as I don't know, the player announces it. Normally, like the next two three days after, you know, everybody kind of knows who's broken up with who. Like the work gets around quick. Um, I'm gonna be showing up at tournaments anyways, but yeah, Emma is a super super interesting case, and yeah. Why not? I would love to. I do believe I could help her. Do you have any feel for why she's been busting through coaches one after another, after another, after another? I mean, clearly she's trying to find or look for something, you know, um, but I I wouldn't know. Like, I know Torben, Torben Bells who worked with her, but again, I don't know his coaching philosophy. I don't know uh, what they did together, it was also they were working together while I was injured with Carolina, to be honest. So I don't see them on the court. But um, yeah, so I wouldn't I wouldn't know the reasons. No, um, can't answer that. Let's move into the third set. This is the portion of our show where we talk about your career. You're Serb. Were you born in Serbia? I was born in Germany. You were born in Germany. I was born in Germany. My father is Serb. My father was Serb. So he died when I was 15 and a half. My mom is mute. My mom is German. Uh, my father was my coach. Um, you grew up in, sorry, and you grew up in Germany. Germany, yes. Where? Yes. Munich in Munich. Munich. Yes, sir. So I grew up in Munich. I went to school Irish. in Croatia. Irish. <laughs> yes, that exactly. So... I went one year to school in Croatia, but other than that, all my life in Germany. And um, yeah, there's going to be a short set if you talk about my tennis Hold career. on a second. And hold on. And well, well, no, 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 no. But your father was your coach. Yes. And you are, you're a world-class player. You can hit with anyone in the world. Yeah. So where did your tennis go? How did you become, you know, essentially, how did you end up in pro tennis? I mean, the goal was always to be pro myself. I was, I was a solid junior. Like I was, I was, I was doing okay as a junior. You know, I beat a couple of players who, who later like turned out to be quite good. Um, but I don't know. I was so used to my father's coaching style, and he was um, very demanding. And having a Serbian father coach, you know, is uh, it can be tough. But, um, yeah, I wanted to go pro myself. And then after he died, I kind of struggled a little bit, lost my ways. Well, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough club to be a member of. Yeah. Uh, when your dad dies, that always hurts. Um, and I know that firsthand. Um, um, your dad passed when you were 15 and a half. Yes. And, and, and from there, you continued playing. 
For sure, yeah. I continued playing. I had two, three points, but um, I never really also pursued too many tournaments on the ATP tour because, I mean, ultimately it's more about money for me. You know, I had to make a living. So I started uh, my coaching exams in Germany when, when I was 18. You know, I went to school. You have to study. It takes like three years um, to get the diploma. Hold on a second. To be a tennis coach in Germany. In Germany, yeah. It takes you three years. Yeah. Because in the States, guys just show up at the courts and declare themselves a tennis coach. No, that's not, that's not how things work. You need, a, you need like a certificate or a license or a, a diploma to work uh, at any tennis club normally. And then there's different um, types, obviously. You know, some are more demanding, some are not. And um, yeah, so I went for the one... Uh, that took two years and um, yeah, you write a couple of tests. You, yeah, you learn a lot about anatomy, but I basically did this from Monday to Thursday and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I, I played prize money weekends on the tournament. You know, I strung records. I hustled behind uh, tennis, behind our tennis club behind the bar. You know, I was bartending there um, as well, you know, while stringing records just to get money somehow. And finance my life. I built tennis courts. Um, you making know. it happen, making it happen, getting hey, the but, money. Yes, but you know, one thing I found out, which is actually a funny thing, is that all these things that I had to do, like understanding how a clay court is being built, um, stringing rackets, you know, all these things that come along with the sport, they kind of helped me understanding the sport itself a little bit more. And I think it's funny that. A lot of, like, even pro players, if I would walk up to them and I ask them, hey, what's the difference between multifiber string and synthetic gut or polymono and polyester and stuff, they wouldn't even know. They wouldn't even know. And it's their tool. It's their record. And now if I look at these things, I'm like, I'm actually blessed that I had to go through that because it made me understand and help a lot. Uh, Other players actually too. But it's it's kind of an interesting point for me to see how little people know about their tool and how little they know if they would understand it more, how much more it could help them. How did you end up in Serena's camp? She, she found a guy in Germany and she just grabbed him off the streets and dragged him into a plane to the French Open. <laughs> the first guy she saw, she's like, this kid. Um, no, I, I, I was good friends with her old uh, touring coach, Jovan Savage. And she... Yeah, she wanted someone, like there was a specific uh, type that she wanted. It was basically someone a little bit younger, who's a good player, who has no private life, no family, nothing, and who's like willing to work hard. And she asked her way around and my name popped up. And what year was this? This was 2007. Wow, man. Yeah, she flew to Germany and we practiced four days. That's 15 years ago. That's when you were 22 years old. I, I don't want to say that, but I think I think you you may, maybe you did wrong math. I feel like I was I'm twenty. <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. I was twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, yeah. And and what was that experience like? Um, I mean, this is as crazy as it gets. You know, I mean, I I didn't I didn't even move out of my own apartment. Like my my mom did all that for me. I grabbed after. We practiced for four days in Munich. I grabbed two bags, my racket bag and another bag, and I, I followed Serena to the French Open. 
you know, she asked me if I wanted to do it with her and then over to, to America and the rest is history. How many tournaments did you win with Serena? Oh my God. I think, I think we had 11 slams together. 10. You won 11, 10, 11 slams. 10, 11. How many, how many tournaments? Oh, tournaments. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know the numbers and stuff, but uh, you, you just count the majors. And just count the majors, yeah. <laughs> so I'm so cocky, yeah. Like, you and know. did you did you get a bonus when uh, she won a major? Yeah, of course, of course, of course, I got a bonus. <laughs> What's that like? What's that like when you see that cash money in your in your hand? I mean, it's a it's a good feeling. It's <laughs> it's a beautiful feeling, you know, get a little bonus. But um. Yeah, but it's more. And, uh, and, and, I mean, it's easy to say, but I, I, I swear, I would not lie to you. Like I'm, I'm a very honest person. It's not even so much the 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 money itself. It's just the fact that um, you receive something because someone recognized you doing something good as well. It's just that gesture itself, and the fact that hard work just paid off and it makes you want to work harder if someone just recognizes it and says like look we just want to slam if I do good you do good here's a little bit of something so it, it doesn't matter if it was money if it was uh, uh, I don't know two paid vacation days like it doesn't need to be something materialistic just to show just someone shows appreciation it makes me want to work so much harder and did you guys hang out did you were you at dinners together breakfast and lunches or do you just show up at the courts and then you go on your own way. Well, I lived with her and Venus and, and Esther and Val, like me and four girls in the house for three years. So you did. Um, yeah. What was that yeah. like? Uh, it was intense. It was tough, but I've learned so much. Like this was another, this is a school that, you know, no book or anything can prepare you for, you know, the experience you get from it, the knowledge, all these things. So, yeah. What was the, best moment of being with Serena is there like one moment that sticks out there's, there's no there's no moment uh, there's no moment like I'm this is so cliche like this is so corny but I swear my ringtone back then I remember the first week okay here's something super funny there were like one of the most vivid memories that I have was actually the first morning that I woke up in Serena's house because I remember like coming in and I'm like, shit, I'm in Serena's house. Right? I'm just going to go. And I'm very shy. You know, I was a skinny 22 year old guy. Um, so all I remember is just opening the door, like very careful from my room. She had these three wings and I'm trying to walk outside. And I swear to God, I stepped the moment I walked outside, I opened the door. I stepped into doo-doo. So That's I don't know which shit. dog, but because, you know, the dog must have felt there's someone new and he's like, nah, nah, this is my house. And he left, he left a gift for me. And so the first morning and the first memory of my, I'm like, I stepped into some dog's poop in Serena's house. I'm like, no way. It's good luck if you step into, into Good luck to step in dog. What was the name of the dog? <laughs> I don't know who did it. I mean, they had three dogs. Oh, they had three dogs. I, I, I don't know. I want to, I want to say that Laurie... Lori looked kind of guilty. Lori. Back then, I remember in the morning, it's Serena's white dog, but <laughs> I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know who left the gift for me. What prompted the split? Um, between me and Serena? Yes. 
Um, when did you get, did you get fired or did you just no. get sort of shut down a little bit? No, um, I, I didn't get fired. So there was only two, um, two relationships where I didn't get fired was with Kiki and with Serena and with Serena, I, I, you know, like I was eight years with her. I felt like I was, I couldn't enjoy my work so much anymore. Um, and I didn't want to be the guy to make her choose. It's whether me or this guy or that guy. So I, I, um, yeah, I, I spoke to Serena and I told her that I'm, I'm really sorry, but I, I don't, you know, after eight years, I feel like I'm, I can't learn anything anymore. I can't give you more than I can. And, um, and I had to, I had to look elsewhere, but it, it, yeah, it had nothing to do with her. It was more about the circumstances back then. Yeah. Did you, were, were you ever the coach or were you doing some coaching? No. So throughout my whole career, even now, like I, I don't think I've ever done my job differently. Okay. I've never stopped hitting with my players just because now they want to call me a coach. I, I, I never stop carrying food to my players, you know, wherever they are at a tournament, or even if I have to do laundry, I'm grabbing the laundry, doing the laundry. I'm still the same. You want to call me an errand boy, errand boy that I was before, you know, because I do believe that wherever I can help my player, no matter what or where in life, off court, on court, wherever I can help them, I can, it makes it easier for them on court already. You know, it's, you take a load off somewhere, you can put it into something else. It's just that simple. So even back then with Serena, that's why this whole relationship was kind of like so hard for me at the end because we did put in a lot of work um, between the tournaments. You know, we, we worked a lot. And then, um, you know, I never got to be that main guy. You know, she did have Patrick back then, and that's fine. But no, I gave, I gave, I gave my input, and Serena would listen. Patrick was in the, he was in the driver's seat. Yeah. So absolutely. And what I was gonna say is just that, regards of that coaching, and if I gave her tips or not, Serena would take tips from every anybody. Like anybody walking by her court or telling her something, you know, if she would hear something like, hey, I think you need to drop your racket a little bit more. You know, she would like hear it, like, turn around, what the hell, like maybe, you know, and then she'd be like thinking, listening and, oh, maybe he has a point. Maybe I do have to drop my racket a little bit more. So, yeah, I, I, I did speak my mind always back then and she was very easy to work with in that way. How did you get along with Patrick? Um, I mean, we got along. Yeah, we got along. You know, we got along good. Um, we we worked towards the same goal, right? So the moment you help me, like if you if you're successful with someone, but that benefits me, we work towards the same goal. And I, you know, like I, I had no issues with him. We had no arguments or anything. Whether it's Patrick, uh, I don't know, um, Stephen, or I don't know whoever it would be, the situation itself was just something more that was complicated for me, you know, and nothing to do with him. Do you think Morata Glue is a good coach? What do you think of him and his operation? I, uh, that's, I don't know. That's something, 
That's a question that's going to get me again into trouble, like I did already with my Instagram post. I don't know. You saw that? I did see what you did. Um, For our listeners, Sasha did a 30-minute Instagram live where he talked a little bit about some things he saw that as mistakes in coaching. And he he played a he played a portion of a video of the young girl Ksenia, who's like this hotshot superstar, twelve year old at Moritaglu, getting thrashed by her mother after playing, you know, day after 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 day, and then losing a match, and the mom was really being tough on her, and Patrick defended it as. Uh, and, and Sasha, Sasha disagreed. Yeah. So no, it was just it, it, yeah. So that 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 was just because I took that but, but, scenario a little personal because it was like you know um, coach uh, parent related, and that's like a uh, something I I take personal because my father used to be my coach. Well, it seemed a little but, out of line, uh, but 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 just but the question is, do you what do you think of him? I mean, you've seen him with Serena, now you see him with. With Hollop, you must know about the academy. What do you think of him and his operation? I think he does an amazing job with it. I think um, I think he's the biggest coach right now in tennis. There's no one bigger than him. So what he's done is incredible, you know, like really incredible. The way he's using his reach and marketing and all that stuff, you know. I've seen pictures of his academy in, um, in Nice which is crazy, um, you know. So, yeah, like, all, all kudos to him. Like, he, he definitely deserves where he is. He's the way he is because he's such a great coach. I do believe there's people who, like, who know more about tennis or how to help people, how to improve their game. Like, this is coaching, you know, on court, off court. Um, I, I do believe there's better people out there. They just maybe haven't been discovered or know how to use their reach to be discovered and stuff. But I, I do believe he's a great analyst. Like he knows everything about tennis. You know, he's a very numbers driven guy, stats guy and stuff like this. So he's amazing there. And with that, I think he can help. He can help a lot of players. People, people are entitled to their opinions and maybe I'm wrong. And I'm, I'm sorry, Patrick It's nothing personal. I hope, I hope if he hears this, and there's no vendetta. No, Listen, you but just said, I, you told me you told me that you 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 go in. People are trying to take food off your plate, so you you can speak your mind here. Now, how did the Osaka relationship come to be? Um. Yeah, that's that's maybe that's maybe something we're gonna we're gonna have to skip for fourth set if it's possible. <laughs> like if we, uh, um. Yeah, this is just also. Because it was her decision. It's not well, you got to tell wanna... me how you. I mean, you were with her for some really good success. You're shaking your head like it's it's a sore subject. Yeah, it's yeah because it wasn't also my decision. You know, it was her decision to do it. So if someone else, well, no, no, I'm not talking. But I didn't ask you. Hold on, I didn't ask you about breaking up. I just asked you about how did it come to be that you ended up in Team Osaka. What was that like? Ah, yeah, I thought how it ended and all that stuff. So sorry, Mom. no, no, not yet, not yet. No, no, no. Yeah, uh, no. well, you left. So you stopped with Serena, and then you went with Osaka. No, 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 no. I had, um, I had Victoria Zarenka two and a half years after that. Oh, I'm sorry. I had um, Sloane Stevens for six months. 
I had Caroline Wozniacki for a year, um, and then I had Naomi. I'm sorry, repeat that. So after Serena, were you head coach of any of those players, or were you all hitting partners? I was two. I was I was two and a half years with Vika, and Vim Fisek was with me in the team. Um, but also there, like I again, I never changed the way I coach or what I do, and like. That's why I, I have a problem with these coaches who come 20 weeks, 25 weeks, or 30 weeks, you know, to tournaments. And then what the other 20 weeks, what are you going to do? It's almost half a year, like 25 weeks, it's half a year. And then what do you do half the rest of the year? So I, I, I really, I want to be the guy who's responsible for the good and the bad. And that's why whenever I work with a player, it's only going to be full-time because I want to take that responsibility. So even there with Vika, um, I was again like in some sort of situation. Vim is an amazing coach, you know. For example, I think he's a he's, a, he's an unbelievable good coach. There you go. Um, but he was only around for like 20 25 weeks, you know. So we did preseason camps alone in Aspen, um, you know, for example, where we worked on the conditioning, and it was only her and me and the conditioning coach, you know. So yeah, but that was. I was there anyways. It was with Vika two and a half years with Azarenka, but no, I wasn't um, I wasn't a head coach. Then Sloan Stevens hired me um, where we wanted to try that with me as a head coach, but then she got injured and we didn't really have a tournament and we actually did a lot of rehab more than tennis. Um, and then after after that, yeah, after, after that I had Caroline Wozniacki. You know, even with Caroline Wozniacki, we had we had great success. She had one of the best seasons of her career. We played seven finals together. Um, she's beaten Venus for the first time, won the WTA finals in Singapore. After Caroline was Yaki, slow, um, um, Stuart, um, Stuart Dugit, du- I don't know how to say his name, Dugut. Um, Stuart Dugut. Dugut, yeah, I don't know. He, um, Just on my show. Yeah, he, he reached out, he reached out to me. And um, and then I was like, yeah, I, I I mean, I knew who she was. I knew how she played. And Naomi was like 25, well, no, a little bit more focused, like 40 minutes from me. Uh, she lives just 40 minutes driving from my place in Florida. So, yeah, we gave it a shot. Well, you did more than give it a shot, right? You guys won some. Yeah. You, guys, you guys did good, right? Yeah, we did pretty good, yeah. You were never spoken of as the head coach with, with her, or were you? With Naomi, yeah, I, I was the only guy. Yeah, Poke, the coach. Yes. Now, yes. what did you do to help her tennis? So, with Naomi, it was there was a few things that why I believe she wasn't successful a little earlier, which is um, understanding the game a little bit better. I think I helped her a lot understanding that she didn't need to play her best shot or her best tennis in order to win matches, okay? That there's a different way of aggression than just playing hard, okay? You can, whether it's angles, whether it's taking a ball early, different slices, there's so many different ways of putting pressure on the opponent. She was maybe too focused only on one. Um, plus, plus, I saw that she was very, like, closed in somehow. She was very shy and closed in. And I wanted to kind of break that and, you know, open the world for her a little bit because I feel like that 
would show her that because Naomi had this terrible record of if she loses the first set, she would not be able to win a match before we started. I think she had it only once in her career that she won the first set and then she lost, uh, she won the match still. Jeez. So for me, for me, there was a, um, how do you say, there was something going hand in hand. The fact that she thought too much about, oh my God, I'm playing bad. What are the people, what is this person in the stands thinking about me? What are the people on TV thinking about me? Oh my God, she was too much concerned about all of the other stuff going around outside rather than finding a way on how to actually play better or focus on what is working on the court and, and stuff like this. So I kind of like took an approach with her where we set up some punishments where we would kind of embarrass each other. And I did that on purpose because I felt like that could help her realizing like, oh, okay, if I have to dance on the intersection in Tokyo and people see and laugh at me, eh, it's okay. None to be embarrassed about. Same as players get embarrassed when they lose a set 6-0, you know, in the match. And they're like, oh my God, I play so bad. And, you know, it's horrible. So, yeah, it was, um, it was a lot of mental, but also very tennis-driven. It was kind of a few steps that I think have been left out in Naomi's development as a player. What about X's and O's? What about actually on the court? What about her stroke production? Did you help with her? Yeah, her of course. Yeah, well, short selection, short selection itself, you know, I think she started playing way smarter with me to understand um, that you always have two choices, two, three choices, and you have to understand which one is uh, harder than the other and how do you play the easier choice and not the easier choice. So, yeah, plus there were some technical errors that have been left out from her serve to her approaching, coming into the short balls, um, how she, you know, foot patterns. So it was, we, we, we worked. We worked a lot. She won the, she won Indian Wells and kind of like cemented that like she came. That was like your moment when you guys came on the scene. And then what was it like to be, there with her for the U.S. Open, that first U.S. Open. That was um, probably one of the most memorable moments of my life so far. I don't know. I'll never forget that final. The final. Um, but, yeah, the final was something else. But, um, but, but, well, but, but, but her tennis was so good, that tournament. What was it like to be there for two weeks with her tennis being so good? Like, you know you're going to win the tournament? Like, do you just feel it? Like... Like what were you? What were your conversations like? What was it like to, to, you know, you're driving through the Midtown Tunnel, day in and day out. Like, what are you guys saying? I mean, she, she had, you had to have a feeling she was gonna, she was gonna win. So I, I personally, I had that feeling after the Sabalenka match, but it, it, it's not something you speak about with your player, obviously. And sorry, what um, round was that? What round was that? The Sabalenka match was fourth round. I think, if I remember correctly. She played well. Yeah, so no, that was a match where, you know, she's been to the fourth round before. She's never been into the quarter. She's been to the fourth round of a slam, I think, two times before. But for me, like, what I... During that time at the US Open with Naomi, like, I, I tried to distract her a little bit more from what is going on because the person she is, okay, she's also, like, a person that maybe overthinks something a little bit rather than underthinking, if I have to say it like this. So for me, I actually wanted to get her a little bit away from, you know, 
the U.S. Open because you couldn't escape. I mean, you can't escape tennis in New York in August. You just can't. You know, Serena was on every billboard. Um, she was on every TV commercial. And Absolutely. I actually, yeah. So I, I actually, after the Sabalenka match, what uh, she didn't know the day before, I actually went and I bought a TV. And I carried that TV uh, three blocks through New York. It was a big TV because I wanted her to connect her PlayStation in her hotel room. Uh, the TV in her hotel room wouldn't let her PlayStation connect. And I know that that's a way of relaxing for her. And I know that she goes online and uh, plays with her sister and they communicate a lot, you know, so it distracts her. What game is it they play? Uh, back then it was Overwatch. Overwatch. It was Overwatch. But so when she won the Sabalenka match, I called the hotel lobby and I had a concierge there and I told them, guys, you got to put up the TV, please. The time Naomi comes back, I don't want her to go to stay on her phone to check social media, to, you know, uh, read comments or see what people write or see other tennis players. When she comes home, I want her... I want the TV to be ready. I want the PlayStation to be on. I wanted to enjoy herself with the sister and not to think about tennis. So, yeah, so that's why, that's why I did that. I, I wish she was more into books than PlayStation. It would have been easier to carry a few books, a couple of blocks, <laughs> than a 55-inch TV. But, you know, it worked. Um, what, what did you tell her before the Serena final? I mean, I remember having a... Com- we, we had our warm-up, actually, on the indoor court. And I remember her asking me a lot of questions. Why, why did you warm up indoors just, to, just so no one was around? Yeah, I think because also Arthur Ash, I think, was, I think they expected the roof to be closed. Well, they or were going to close the roof. roof. Yeah, so we went indoor and we were just sitting there and I was chatting with her. I was, it was more about, back then, it was more about me trying to make Serena more human in her eyes. And really making sure and giving Naomi the belief that she can go out there and do it. You just say, listen, she's not as good as you think. Kick her ass. She's, no, nothing like that? Uh, yes. You tell you. Yeah, yeah. Something, something that way. I, I, yeah. can't, I can't give away really specifics and stuff. That's my, that's my secret sauce. You tell her, you say, like, listen, you're faster, <laughs> you're stronger, you're younger, she's slow, blah, blah, blah. I'm not, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say that, but. Um, you don't say that. I, you don't talk like that when you talk when you coach coaching. Maybe just right before she goes on court and she needs some pumping up. But in that situation, it was more like I said about her being able to handle the nerves. Um, it's more like, what do I focus on if things don't go well? What do I do if it's zero three on court? You know, um, what, what do I do if I'm nervous and I can't breathe? And it's my first Grand Slam final, you know, preparing her for the worst. I talked to Stewart, and he said that he couldn't hear a lot of what was going on during that during that fiasco when Serena kind of... No, neither know. could I. The crowd was so low. Yeah. You, did you have any feel for what had transpired until afterwards? No, I was so locked in on the match. Like, I'm going to be honest. I was so locked in. I, I, I never, like... I mean, you can drop a bomb right next behind me. I, I will hear it, turn my head, but then I'm going to be right back on my player. That's why I don't wear hats. You know, they offered me a lot of money during the U.S. Open to wear a hat with some commercials on it. Um, you'll never see me with a hat or with glasses in a box. 
because I want my player to see my face, my facial expression, you know, and my eyes and, and see the type of energy I'm giving her or him. So, I, I, no, I was locked in on Naomi. She's talked about the, that moment, the crowd booing and, and the whole fiasco really sort of screwing her up mentally, having some part of that. Was it, was it a bittersweet win when you guys saw each other after the match or was, she, was it party time? Was everybody pretty happy? No, it was actually, it was also super late when we, when we left the venue. I think we arrived at like 1, 1.30 at the hotel, you know, until she's done her doping, until she's done all the press that comes after winning a slam and all that stuff. And plus with what was happening back then, it took forever. Yeah, so I think it was like 1.30 when we left or we came back. So, and she was exhausted, you know. So we didn't do anything. I went for a little walk around um, Manhattan. I had to walk it off, so I was just walking around, literally, <laughs> just walking around, lost wandering the streets of New York. But yeah, I just walked it off, and and the next day, uh, it was already me asking her, "Hey, what time do you want to practice in Tokyo?" You 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 um you go to Australia, you win the tournament, and then you lose your job. What happened? Yeah, that's that's a question. Um, I don't know. I mean, she, it was her decision, so you're gonna have to ask her that. But we, this has been talked about, and if if it's okay, that's like the one question I'm, I really, as open as I am, as honest as I am, I, I can't answer for you. So Sasha Bayan passing on the Osaka termination. Sorry. You left that. You left there. You said thank you online. You've never really quite explained what happened. But then you went and you you went to the Mladenovic camp and you played well. And you guys played well. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah. So I, so after Naomi um, let me go after the, uh, after the Australian Open, I took over with Kiki in April. Yeah. And she was 70 in the world. And again, Normally, every new relationship I start with, I have to make sure that I can bring something positive, you know. And I, I believe that I, I had some amazing offers after working with Naomi. Also, people that offered me way more money uh, than working with Kiki, you know. So, but again, it's not about money for me. It was really just the fact that it's mid-season. Um, I looked at the rankings, looked at the player, and she was one that had also reached out to me. And she said, look, I, I want your help. And, da, da, da. and She was 72, 75 back then in the world. And I thought, yeah, let's at least try to go until the end of this year. And then we see how, how it goes and if we continue or not. So in that moment, I thought she was the one that could help the most. And, and yeah, we did amazing. We... She, because prior, I think she won only one out of 10 or 11 matches. She's, she's lost like 10 times first round and she's won only one round out of 11 tournaments. And yeah, we finished like, we finished top 30, I think. Like it was 32 or something, 31 in the world. I thought really well with, with, yeah, with, thank you. I thought you were playing really well and, and then you stopped with her and went to Yastremska. Yes. What happened? Uh, I want to say that I think I believed more in her than she herself. 
and um, I, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I said it back then, it was a selfish decision for me, but I also, as a coach, when we worked, I, I feel like there was, um, yeah, I gotta be honest, like there was some excuses coming sometimes to why she lost the match from her side. And the moment excuses come, then I, I, I can't analyze the real mistake. You know, my job as a coach is to actually eliminate excuses so I can get to the root of the problem and address that. And, I, and that wasn't happening with her. And then that makes my job incredibly hard. And that was going on for actually like a couple of weeks and months prior to that already. And then I told her that I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I think I'm, I'm the wrong guy for you. And yeah. I, Somehow the Yastremska relationship was sort of short-lived. Yeah, it was just, I mean, that, that whole year with COVID, you know. I mean, we started, we had also there, we had a good run. You know, she played her first WTA 500 finals in Adelaide. You know, she's first time beaten three top 20 players because with her, it was this consistency that she was lacking. So she beat three top 20 players with Sabalenka, you know, Donna Bekic. Um, it was good players she beat. And in, in Melbourne, maybe she was a bit nervous, you know, knowing that was her last Grand Slam, her last tournament. And uh, she was up 5-2, first set, 4-2, second set. I remember we lost that match. But I, I remember her playing well. And then, obviously, we had Doha, Dubai, but then there was COVID. And I haven't seen her until the U.S. Open Series. So we had, I mean, technically, we had like five, six tournaments together. Yeah. So it wasn't, wasn't too much. Your greatest moment on tour? Has there is there is there a moment that you just like you can you did you have a great moment a great coaching moment um, something special? I mean, um, I, I can't pinpoint one exact yeah. moment. Sure, you know that I, I don't think it would be fair to the other moments, <laughs> but but uh, it was top three, a, top three, top three, top four. I mean, of course, the U.S. Open with Naomi, um, gold medal with Serena uh, in London. Um, oh, fuck there! I, I, and then I have to pinpoint another. Um, I mean, women, winning Wimbledon with Serena seems like yeah, yeah. it's not even a great moment. You see, that's crazy. But because we've done it, <laughs> we've done it a couple of times. No, but. I You're think, all messed um, up from being in that camp with Serena, winning so much. Yeah, I get spoiled. I get spoiled. But I, I, I think, yeah, I, I mean, if I have to pinpoint, probably just like that U.S. Open run um, and, and, and Olympics is something that's, that's stuck very vividly in my head. Let's move into the fourth set. This is the 10-ball scramble. I say something, you answer quickly. You say what comes into your mind. It goes fast, okay? One word or what? No, whatever. Listen, it's, it's, it's a 10-ball okay. scramble. You say what you, Your favorite tournament? Australian Open. Your favorite city? Miami. Big entourage or lean and mean? Lean and mean. Box etiquette? Sorry? Box etiquette. How should, how should uh, people behave in the player box? Quiet and smile. Coaching in tennis? No. 
What did you learn from Serena? Um, discipline. What did you learn from Osaka? Patience. What did you learn from Mladenovic? Variety. What do you mean? Variety. Variety on court. Variety on um, different approaches on, 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 on the court. She's very talented. And yeah. what did you learn from Tushkova? Keep calm and serve an ace. Keep calm and bang an ace. Keep calm and bang an ace. There were so many moments. Uh, also last year like, when we were on court and I, I thought we're out and she bangs an ace. Yeah. I opened up the questions to my, my some of my uh, listeners. Katerina Leskowska asked, who has the best forehand, backhand serve movement on tour? What? One, well, I mean, well, um, you gotta go quick because it's coming in your mind. Forehand, I gotta go quick. Forehand is uh, actually, I like uh, Carolina's forehand if it's on backhand Serena. Gotta go with um, serve also Serena movement. Um, I, I, I like, uh, I actually like Naomi's movement when she's on. And what else? That was it. Um, okay. Henry Kiroga asks how do you view your coaching reputation on the women's tour i don't know my coaching reputation on the women's tour ralph jeisman sasha why do you think christina mladenovic has been performing so poorly since you left i i I wouldn't know because i'm not in that camp so i can't answer on something that i don't know did you see naomi's psychological problems coming did you did you anticipate that some of the difficulties she's had no but i saw that she was a little bit different and that's why i tried to do these challenges where i kind of wanted to show her that she can embarrass herself outside and that the world keeps going on and that nothing happens let's move into the fifth and final set this is the king of the court if you could be the king of tennis and make a change in the sport with just one swing of the racket with no aggravation, what would it be? Physios allowing my own physio to come and treat my player. On court. On court. On court. On court. The personal physio is not allowed to go to the court. Exactly. So far you have to use the physio that comes. So I do believe that obviously not everybody can afford a physio. But by now, there's a lot of players with physios. And I think that it would help them being able to finish a lot more matches um, because they understand their body a lot more. You know, you don't lose time explaining to the WTA physio what is really going on. So I, I don't know. Tennis is, I think, the only sport where your own team, as you say, like you're not allowed to bring your own physio. That's one thing. And I would like to challenge, I would like to challenge foot faults and left faults with the Hawkeye since they already have it. Hey, man, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I, uh, I'm glad I reached out to you after you were dismissed. You know, you didn't have to do this. Thank you for having me. It was great. Now, here's a question for you. What what time do you do your workout? Like, you're, like you get all beefed up. What do you, what do, you do your uh, weightlifting? You do, do you do it at, like, 3 in the morning, like Marky, I, Marky Wahlberg, or do you do it at a normal time in the day? So I've had moments where I'm – I mean, I, I almost killed myself a couple of weeks ago because I bought I bought a new equipment for my bench, and in the middle of the night, I was watching you some 
and I got a special and I was watching some music videos and I got all pumped in the middle of the night. I'm like, all right, let's go. I got to try some of these new, I bought some clips to put when you bench, you know, just the weights don't fall off. I'm like, all right, I'm going down garage, 4.30 a.m. Let's knock these out. And I started benching and I thought I'd had one more in me and I didn't. And the weight was stuck on my chest. Wow. 4.30 a.m., 200 pounds on my chest. Uh, that's not the way. That's not the way I want to go normally, but I think I think it, it would just suit my life so much to go out that way on the bench. By but myself. Sasha, you're like the you're like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of pro tennis now. But no. what, is there a certain time in the day that you try to get your pump in? No, I mean I I I love working out, so I'll I, I don't put too much pressure on myself. Normally, I just make sure that I I lift after I play tennis because and- if I do- or I'm gonna shoot the ball to the freaking moon. You have to play tennis before you do yeah, do absolutely. your pumping. Now, absolutely. now what? Now, now can somebody hire you for like a celebrity pro tennis lesson or a workout? Is that something of, someone can do? Of course they can, and I want to actually um, next Sunday. I'm gonna write out uh, whoever wants to come by. I have some public courts. I wanted to do it already once before, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start promoting that for next Sunday. Whoever wants to come by and have a hit with me, I'm gonna make myself available here. No money, nothing. Just wow, come out. cool, yeah. uh, big yeah. Sasha P. Alexander. Does, it, now, does anyone call you Alexander? Yeah, nobody calls me Alexander. Nobody. Nobody. Serena did that in the beginning, and and then I never reacted to it. And she's like, "What's wrong with this guy?" And then. She just realized my name is Sasha. Sasha. Yeah, Sasha. Sasha is short for Alexander. Listen, uh, Sasha Bayin, thanks for coming on the show. Good luck uh, through the summer and good luck with all your endeavors. And you are released. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me. Huge thank you to Sasha Bayin and thank you to Sergio Tacchini. See them at SergioTacchini.com. Use my code. SHAP30 in all caps at checkout to receive 30% off of your order. Max Loeb edited the show. Our music is by Brian Senti. We'll be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro and you are released. <laughs>